0: We're back, everybody. It's another edition of your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. We took a week off last week, but we're back and ready to go this week. And we hope everybody had a wonderful Valentine's Day with your significant others if you have them out there or if you treat it yourself. You know, shout out to everybody out there celebrating. And we love love around here, but what we love just as much as love, we love sports. And this was a busy week, obviously. We're now a week out from Super Bowl 55, February 7th, that took place between the Kansas City Chiefs and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And a game that everybody was propping up to be one for the ages. It was going to be this high-powered matchup between two high-powered offenses led by two of the, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever and one of the greatest up-and-coming of his current generation in Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady, but what it ended up becoming was a beatdown of epic proportions. This is a beatdown I haven't seen a beatdown quite like this since the 2014 Super Bowl between the Seahawks and Broncos, you know, like and it still wasn't quite that bad, but it was it was it was actually it was pretty bad like when you look at it. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. He's never been quite they said in the history of the Super Bowl, no quarterback has ever faced as much pressure as Patrick Mahomes did. He was running for his life the entire game. You know, he I got sacked a couple times. That, that Tampa Bay pass rush was monstrous. And yes, he was playing without three of his top offensive linemen as starters. But even still, that was a masterful game plan on the count of Ty Bowles, the defensive coordinator for Tampa Bay. He the, the Chiefs had literally no answers. They couldn't adjust at all. You know, Tyreek Hill was, and was nowhere to be found. Travis Kelsey had a couple of big drops, you know. So it just was a thorough beatdown by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the defensive side. And then offensively, the Chiefs' defense was never, like, otherworldly. To begin with, this season, I mean, they were great. They were good, but they weren't enough They weren't like a all-timer type of unit, you know. Like there were, plenty. There certainly were some cracks that could be ex- exposed in that, and they found them. Tampa Bay did, and exploited them big time. They they still have a lot of great talent. You know, Tyron Matthew was an All-Pro. Chris Jones is one of the underrated interior defensive linemen in the game. Um, but there were just a lot of things that Tom Brady and that Tampa Bay offense that is loaded with talent was able to exploit, you know, and, you know, Tom Brady obviously is the great, he, there were talks about, you know, this could cement him as the greatest quarterback of all time, or maybe even the greatest player of all time in in all of sports and certainly all of football. But my thing is, at least within the football world, I don't know how much this Super Bowl was really going to, like a win or a loss would really affect his legacy. I mean, I, I believe he clearly is the greatest quarterback of all time. And there are arguments to be made he's probably one of the greatest players in the sport whether they won or lost but I mean you know that's just me but I mean a seventh ring at age 43 the first outside of the New England dynasty is something to celebrate you know in terms of him like this is greatness personified he's always been greatness personified but he really is like we may never see a run quite like this ever again like this is a run that you know, historically, we've nev- probably never seen in sports. You know, actually, no, we've seen a couple like this. But, I mean, for him to create the dynasty created with the Patriots and then to leave, like I said, at age 43 in one of the most extraordinary circumstances we've ever seen in terms of everything dealing with COVID-19 and the lack of, an of a proper offseason to get acclimated to the system and all these new rotating parts in Tampa Bay and to just – beat all that. Then you went through a loaded playoff. You know, you were taken to the brink by an upcoming Washington football team in round one. You were playing another future Hall of Famer in Drew Brees and the Saints in their building after being thoroughly beaten twice during the regular season by them and to to come off out on top there. Then to go into Lambeau in the freezing cold in January against the league MVP, Aaron Rodgers, and that offense and that just that team full of talent, this was a very dominant run. It was, it was a very excellent run, to say the least, and it was really something to behold if you're a fan of Tom Brady. Whether like him or hate him, you gotta respect the greatness. You know, this is a man, regardless of how many wings he ends up winning, regardless of how many more years he ends up playing. This is something I feel like we got to appreciate as sports fans, this this moment that we're in with him, because we may never see something like this again. We can see some runs that come close. I mean, you know, there's plenty of guys like Patrick Mahomes who have the talent and albeit the perfect surroundings to get it done. But I don't know if we'll ever see anybody do this. I mean, it's very hard in this day and age with all the rotating parts and salary cap things and all types of all this other stuff. It's very hard and it's very hard to win multiple Super Bowls. I mean, Tom Brady, for example, was the last one to do it. The Chiefs, you know, had a chance to do it. You know, Seattle was about a yard away from doing it a couple years ago. Still up to this point, it's been 17 years since we've seen a repeat champion. Now, knowing Tom Brady, Tampa Bay is definitely the team that could do it again and become the first team to do it since the 03, 04 Patriots. But it's extremely hard to do. You know, the Patriots have made it look easy over the years of just getting to Super Bowls and AFC Championships year in and year out, but it's just not easy. And it's, you know, so hats off to the Buccaneers hats off to Tom Brady and shout out to some of my favorite players on that squad you know shout out to guys like Leonard Fournette you know a lot of people thought his career was done he was over people were calling him a draft bust he got cut from a Jacksonville squad that you know there were just a lot of things said about him but he was able to latch on to this team and you know played a big role in their success in the postseason was able to get a ring you know shout out to guys like mike evans who's been around this league a couple of years now he's one of the top receivers in the game and you know it's good to see him finally get some postseason success on his resume you know you know guys like indomitian sue and antonio brown maybe not as popular you know but those two have stuck around for a while antonio brown i thought for sure that he and when he was with the steelers that they would get to a ring then you thought his career was done obviously on his own doing and you know whether through controversy and all that he's kind of made it through I mean you you, like this is not me congratulating him or nothing I'm just saying like there are guys like him and Adam Kinsu who have kind of just stuck around and Adam Kinsu obviously much different circumstances dude was a lot more on the field issues but you know for him to get a ring is kind of cool on his on his end you know guys like that but it's it's a testament just to the leadership and shout out to bruce arian probably one of my favorite coaches in the league he's always good in my book because of the fact that yo he put together from top to bottom a coaching staff full of african-american coaches and women coaches You know, he's a trailblazer on his own right. And he took chances on guys like Byron Leftwich, you know, a D.C. native, H.D. Wilson alum, you know, who for the back-to-back seasons has put together solid offenses. Even for all the jokes we could say about Jameis Winston and his turnovers, he threw for 5,000 yards and led the league as well with 30 touchdown passes or was top five with 30 touchdown passes. And that was under the tutelage of Byron Leftwich. So shout out to guys like them, you know, for all this talk about the lack of, you know, there are lies and things about, oh, there's a lack of a pipeline of black coaches. I mean, just turn to Tampa Bay. Todd Bowles. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is considered one of the, is considered the upcoming, like the torch. Like if we're, if there's anybody, Tom Brady's passing the torch to. A lot of people believe it to be Patrick Mahomes. Like, there are talks about him being the greatest quarterback to ever play the game just in his third or fourth year as a a starting quarterback, you know. And another historically great season for that offense. And for Ty Bowles to shut him, not only shut him down, this man didn't score a single touchdown. The first time in his his postseason career that he's ever done that, and it's been the first time in, like, two or three years that he's done it in a game where he didn't score a touchdown when is the last time you heard for 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 top bowls to masterfully shut down the quarterback everybody considers to be on the cusp of the greatest to ever play the game for him to i mean what else is there to prove for him as a head coach like that is the most masterful game plan i've seen since the seahawks in 2013 and you're telling me that he couldn't get not a single coaching call like there's nobody that figured that he could be qualified to be a head coach like come on bro like that just doesn't make sense to me you know so shout out to Bruce Arians for showing people that there is in fact a pipeline of coaches and not only is there a pipeline but there's a lot of greatness to be said for these coaches there's a lot to be spoken about them and it's about time that they get their just due But even after the end of the NFL season, there's still a lot of action within the NFL. You know, the offseason technically doesn't officially begin until the month of March. But there has been a lot of movement. Um, I guess the most notable of the movement this week, you know, in Houston, there's still no word on what's going on with Deshaun Watson. But the team's other franchise cornerstone, J.J. Watt, recently was let go after something like nine seasons nine years with this team he was the consummate professional one of the greatest probably in the history of the game in his position he's probably going to end up going down as a future hall of famer whether he wins a ring or not a three-time defensive player of the year i think a six or seven time pro bowler you know um and obviously the home, of a, a, a hometown hero around there i mean he's from wisconsin but around those parts he's a folklore legend because You know, a lot can be said about his on the field exploits. But considering, I mean, that guy, you remember in 2017 when Hurricane Maria hit the area or no, not Hurricane Maria, Hurricane. I forgot which hurricane it was, but Houston got slammed with a hurricane. The area was really battered hard. And we remember J.J. Watt raised millions of dollars, millions, millions of dollars to get the city back on the right track he's a guy who's come back from some serious injuries you know and you wonder if his best days are behind him on the field and but he's still getting a lot of interest you wonder maybe he ends up with his hometown Packers you know he's obviously at this stage of his career looking to get a ring you know he's looking to win big time games and stuff but you just wonder about him. You wonder, you wonder where he's gonna go. There are teams. You, you obviously Packers are showing interest. You know, um, a lot of teams are gonna show interest in him, and you you just wonder where he's gonna end up. But the one thing is, I mean, it's really unfortunate to see the Texans just deteriorate like this, and they wasted. His prime years, and they're in danger of doing the same to Deshaun Watson, assuming that they don't let him go. You know, but you, you just wonder what the future holds for Watson, especially like with Watt letting go. And granted, different circumstances, different type of player, different situation contractually. I feel like it's only inevitable that the right and the writing is on the wall with Watson, like sooner or later. Houston's gonna have to really listen to some offers and stop stalling. You know, the owner's gonna. The owner came out and said there's a lot of misinformation this week, but I really don't believe him. I truly think he's just saying that to save face right now. But that Watson is. I just. I think his. He's played his last games in the Texans uniform this past year. So. We'll have to see what happens with that. That's something to closely monitor if you're a Houston fan in particular. And we'll just see from there. But, you know, over in the NBA, though, you know, the Wizards, a really, really bad start, a surprisingly bad start to the season. This is probably not what I thought or what a lot of people thought coming into the year. I mean, there was a lot of talks about you know how they would look in the era post John Wall. And, you know, there were some talks, a lot of people considered there maybe to be a bottom tier playoff team in the East, like maybe six, seven, or eight seeds somewhere, maybe even higher. But there were also some people who figured maybe this would be bad. But I don't think anybody expected quite what has happened this upcoming season, this season. But at the same time, like, They have some talent, some considerable talent. You know, Westbrook, for all the gripes about him, he's still a decent basketball player, and he's still, you know, obviously a walking triple-double on good days. You obviously have Bradley Beal, who, you know, this year has made franchise history the most all-star votes in Wizards history, like fan vote. You know, so he and he's one of the leaders in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, you have this talent. And then every now and then they put it together. Like, they've looked terrible at times, but then you also look at the fact they've beaten the Brooklyn Nets twice. And this is a Nets team that, although their record doesn't show it, I mean, you have three all-NBA players. You have Kevin Durant, who's probably top two or three in the league, Talent-wise, you have James Harden, who, I mean, what else needs to be said about him? And Kyrie Irving, who's another one where, personality-wise, is different than the fact that the dude can ball on the court. And they've beaten them twice this year. This past weekend, I mean, they beat the brakes off of the Boston Celtics, who are a team with a very good nucleus in Campbell Walker, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. So you know it's just a matter of when is this team going to put it together and what what is it going to take because i mean i personally am on scott brooks has to go that's my thing it's i mean but i feel i feel like just letting him go is not going to be enough but but scott brooks definitely has to go he has to go it's long overdue he needs to be out here period but you just wonder what is it going to take to get this team to get it together like i mean obviously bradley bill is a superstar that wants to stay here he keeps reiterating that like it's gotten to the point he's gotten frustrated with reports and trying to frame him as being dumb for being loyal and it's just like you know sooner or later if they don't get it together and then he does decide to leave then the narrative is going to flip and then people are going to act like he was never the one that wanted to stay like it's a it's a lose-lose for him so Wizards just need to get it together. I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, obviously, Scott Brooks has to go is the easy thing to say, but I think this is an ownership problem, too. But, you know, you just wonder. You just wonder about this team. You wonder if they'll ever get it together. If they can get it together and even salvage this season, I mean, they still could have a potential chance to be an outside looking in eight seed, maybe even a nine. Who knows? But you just wonder. And... Yeah, a lot of it could be circumstances and things, but you just wonder about this team. You wonder about a lot of things going on. You know? But, yeah, this is a considerably weird year in the NBA anyway, because, you know, you look around the state of the league. I mean, the Jazz are the number one team in the entire league, which isn't necessarily weird, but it's just kind of like, oh, you know, that's not something you necessarily probably have predicted coming into the year. You look at the Lakers, you know, they've kind of been up and down a little bit. They're second or third in the, in the, in the West. And, you know, they're now they have issues because AD messed up his Achilles. And so you you don't know how many games he's going to miss. You know, LeBron is, getting up there in age but he's still the king he's still one of the best in the league so you just don't know what them miami who was the runner-up last year has fallen considerably off a cliff this year like it, it just it's kind of surprising to say at least how how much they've plateaued so the league has just been very up and down and obviously the pandemic has a lot to do with it and the circumstances with everything but it's just weird i don't, i don't Really, even think there should be games right now, but that's I mean, whatever you can say about that, that's where we're at with that. But one of the biggest stories in the NBA this week wasn't one on the court, it actually happened to be off. You know, the Dallas Mavericks, Mark Cuban, has been one of those guys who I mean, I don't know if there's such a thing as a liberal billionaire, but he's the closest you got to it. I mean, he's a dude who has kind of been considerably more however you want to look at the word progressive he's been a guy who's done some things in the past that are just considerably different than most sports owners you know he's been very vocal about i mean and some of it is you know praising the fish for swimming like oh paying your paying your um paying team staff and stadium workers salaries throughout the entire pandemic even while they, like that's stuff you figured you should be doing if you're a billionaire you know but he's doing things but he recently came in the news because while they it's been going on the entire season but the dallas mavericks had made a recent policy that they would no longer play the national anthem at their games and they say they've been doing it the entire season but obviously nobody would notice because there haven't been fans in the stands so it's something that they were able to do and kind of get away with because nobody's there to really record it or say that it's going on. But somehow, it, I, I I don't know how it got out, but somehow it got out, you know, and it set off somewhat of a mini firestorm. But the reasoning behind Cuban doing it is because he said that he's spoken to, you know, players and different people african-americans in particular who feel like the song doesn't represent them and you know just obviously with the state of things in this country going on with police brutality and racism all the conversations that have been opened over the last year or so like it just felt like something cuban felt like he had to do but then the nba comes out and says that you know they make the policy obviously oh it's league standing policy that we will be playing And especially as we're starting to let fans back in that every stadium will be playing the anthem. And then, you know, Cuban backtracks and decides, you know what, we are going to continue to play it. And my thing is why, first of all, how are you going to tell the owners what to do? I I don't know how that works. You know, any other time you can't tell them what to do, you know, but that's here here and there. My thing is. Like. It just it you know I, I mean i don't know how many different ways we can say this but there have always been talks about the fact that you know patriotism that it's 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 not it's paid patriotism it's not real you know in terms of playing the anthem like you know the nfl has had this issue obviously <laughs> going back to like 2016 with Kyler kaepernick but you know there were always talks about the nfl and the fact that like you know before 2008 They didn't even play the anthem at games. You know, it wasn't until 2008 when the Department of Defense paid them to start doing it. And then you have flyovers during games and stuff. And you remember even earlier this summer or earlier this like fall back in like October or so, Joe Buck came under fire because he was called on a hot mic saying that, oh, you know, essentially saying that the flyovers are a waste of tax dollars. And people called him out for that. But he was right. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's like. It's it's like it's not genuine. It's just it's a thing and it's 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 a good market employee and, and I just feel like people are blowing this out of proportion, especially because Cuban, like I said, was doing it before the season started. So it's not like he just announced this. This was something they were doing and I don't know how, but somehow it got out and it was a story, multiple stories written about it, and then it just became a big thing. And You know, then it caused backlash because then the Lieutenant Governor of Texas tries to make a law essentially saying that if you receive public funding at your venues, then you must play the anthem. You know, it just, it wasn't gonna go well in that state. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of states you can kind of sort of get away with that in, like maybe California, you know, for example, or maybe, you know, one of these other states up east, but you weren't getting away with that in Texas florida those areas that's that's something you just weren't going to get away with and you know it just i mean you you, if you're going to do that you got to stand on it i don't know if i really like the fact that cuban was just backpedaling that hard it's defensive backs in the nfl who don't backpedal like that like it's crazy but he kind of stuck with it but he wasn't like you know he was like oh you know we'll play it but i hope people he his i guess essentially what you could call final words of I hope that people this passionate about the flag realize that there are people who feel like it doesn't represent them. And I hope you're having those type of conversations, which is the truth. You know, I hope people realize, you know, especially with the origins of the song, you know, the hidden second verse that a lot of people don't know about, about slaves who fought for the other side. Like, it's just a lot of history behind that song that I don't know if a lot of people know about. And I'm just hoping that those conversations are being had. But I'm just not very optimistic about that, unfortunately. <laughs> like, just based off of where that conversation went with Cuban. So, here we are, though. But it'll be interesting to see going forward if any other teams attempt to do something like that, you know. But, yeah, that was all the talk we had for this week. You know, it's somewhat of a... We're entering (laughs) essentially the dark days of sports. You know, it's not going to be no football for a while now, you know, but some big time things. The NBA is going to probably obviously start heating up. March Madness is around the corner, even though college has basketball hasn't been quite the run this year. But March Madness is around the corner, you know, so it's some big things coming up. We're going to it's going to be very interesting to keep watching what's going on in the world of sports today. But that's all we have for this week on the Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. I'm Devin Ashby, and we'll see you all next week.